Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. This morning we're going to be in Ephesians 5, starting with verse 22. And the last time we talked about, we talked about what it means to live in the new life of Christ. What, is, what does the new life of the Spirit look like? And today we're going to talk about the synergistic marriage. Synergy, very interesting term. It speaks about, it's a dynamic term that speaks about to, uh, to drugs, to agents, to you know, ways to help, that when they're brought together, that the, the effect that they have is greater than if we took those two agents, separated them, let them work alone, and then added it together. It's pharmacological, it's mathematical, but it's a fantastic term. And the synergistic marriage is a marriage that's a marriage that's flourishing. It's a marriage that's fruitful. It's a marriage of friendship. And you may say, well, I'm not married. However, this might apply to you sometime in the future. So it's a good idea to take notes. Sadly, this portion of scripture, these uh, 11 verses, have been so maligned, so taken out of context, so poorly preached, but they're so incredibly important. So actually, I decided to break it up into two sermons because I believe it's so important and because I feel like I need to undo some of the, the poorly... Uh, exegetical preaching that I've heard before. So that's what I'd like to do. And here's the shame of it. The shame of it is that when we go away from the biblical roles, it's reflected in our divorce rate, the church divorce rate, and the singleness rate. Now, that's the funny thing. I'm, I'm into math. I took statistics in college. I have a lot of fun with numbers. But sadly enough that the singleness rate is so high in our society that it's actually skewing the divorce rate. A lot of people just aren't getting married to have the opportunity, which is not a good opportunity, to get divorced. So as the singleness numbers rise, the divorce rate will look like it's kind of steadying, but it's really not. And sadly enough, you might be a single looking for a mate, and you might be other-centered, and you might love the Lord, but you find that it's kind of slim pickings out there. Um, but just keep praying about that situation. So is the Bible relevant? Yes. It has the keys to a good marriage. Again, it might not affect you now, but it might affect you in the future. So, if we could put up a little bit of an icebreaker, if we could put up the first image. How many of you remember the Lockhorns? <laughs> it's almost everybody, except if you're under 35. So you see, <laughs> so you're reading it, you can read that. So Leroy's le laying in bed and Loretta says to him, the doctor says you'll be out of here and back on the sofa in no time. So this is not the type of marriage that the Bible speaks about. This is not the type of marriage that you want. If we can go to the next slide. That's the type of marriage that you want. So let me ask a question. How many, by a show of hands, have been married 40 years or longer? Raise your hand. Yes, you can. 40 years or longer. All right. These are the people that you want to talk to. As I look at them, I know that they're happily married because I know them. 
So if you're having a struggle, put your hands up again, please. 40 years or longer. Okay. All right. <laughs> Good job. Okay, so let's jump into our scripture for this morning, starting Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it would be holy and without blemish. Watch how this goes back and forth between the relationship of Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, and the husband and the wife. So, men, i got to tell you, we have a harder job than the women do, if you really think about this. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband." This, this is, so to, to me, I read this, it's self-explanatory. Thank you for coming. I'll see everybody next Sunday. That was a good try. I asked Pastor Paul if he wanted to do this segment. He goes, no, I want to watch you squirm. Okay, so let's jump in. I want to give you, and I've talked to my wife extensively about this, because this is a window into our into the DeProsimo home. So I did ask for her permission, and she gave me the permission. So I want to give you a window into our lives because I want, to see, I want you to see where we started and where we ended up, and I really want to give you hope. Where we started was my wife comes from the d- divorce. Parents, I come from divorce. We become Christians. We're brand-new Christians. We get married. And then the problem started. And... Both being immature Christians, I actually read this, and I'm like, wow, that's pretty simple. Babe, you need to submit to me. (laughs) You've got to do what the Bible says, right? And she said, well, I'll submit to you when you love me like Christ loved the church. Ouch. (laughs) So I get to see who's clapping for one and who's (laughs) clapping for the other. (laughs) So we were at an impasse the first few years we talked divorce. And it wasn't until we had an older couple in the Lord who, wonderful children, wonderful marriage, we were really in trouble and we were struggling. And we knew what the Bible said about divorce. So um, they started to disciple us and things started to get better. Not overnight, it took a while. If you're struggling in your marriage this morning, I pray that this ministers to you because there's hope. Almost 20 years later, there's love, there's fruit. And it's, it's, you know, we're not angrily staying married because the Bible says you shouldn't get divorced. We actually love each other. We have a friendship. We have a partnership. And it's not easy, especially in a ministry marriage. You're open to a lot of scrutiny. There's a lot of pressure. Uh, but you have to have a strong marriage. You have to have a synergistic marriage if you're going to be in ministry. 
let's start with dysfunction. Let's start with aberrations, things that are unbiblical. Let's start with the extremes, and then let's jump into what the Bible says. So let's do that. Start with the husbands. Husbands are supposed to be the leaders. So you have your extreme aberration of a husband, father, who's harsh and brutal. He withers his wife's spirit. And because of him, we have domestic violence laws. I remember years ago, I went to a call. Husband was a very big man. He was bigger than me. And his wife was real little. And he hit her. Think more than once. And when I was talking to him, he admitted it, and he said, yeah, I did. This is what I can do in my country. So I said, well, welcome to New Jersey. Turn around, put your hands behind your back, you're under arrest. That's how that ended, right? And it's sad because I can't fathom a husband beating his wife. But this is the, this is the, it still exists. Sadly, sometimes it exists in the church. That's even more frightening. The other extreme, the husband who's he's a la he's lazy, he's a follower, he's a couch potato husband. Basically, he is content with feeling that maybe he just goes to work and brings home the paycheck. So therefore, the wife has to do her job and his job as well, and it builds a resentment and a callousness in the wife. Then you have the, and we start to morph into the wife. Then you have the beat down husband who is that way because of his wife's harsh ways. My wife and I witnessed on more than one occasion, a particular woman who would just berate her husband. I mean, just cut him. I mean, she just went right for the jugular and the kids. And she just spent her time just thought it like it was nothing. My wife eventually said to her, your tongue is like a sword. And you use that sword to cut your family down. You need to stop. My wife is faithful. <laughs> she's, she's tough. And uh, she couldn't take it anymore. Well, the woman eventually left the church. That's fine. A wife who's harsh to her husband and her... Oh, let me back up for one. Let's go to the wife. So the wife who's broken, right? Here's the other extreme. The wife who's broken. You know, she's been abused. She's nervous. She's a bundle of nerves. Um, she... And this, it's not her fault because she's just been berated and, and abused for so long that she doesn't even... There's just no flourishing left in her because of the situation. I have to say this on a side note. Sometimes, and it, 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 I cringe, I really feel that the media finds the weirdest churches and says, this is the church. And I'm like, oh, not another one. God help us. But, and I, I've seen this too, where Christians check their mind at the door. They don't know their Bible. They hear platitudes and cliches. If you have a sister or a daughter or a niece who is in an abusive situation, don't send her back home and tell her to submit to her husband. And I've seen this, you know. The husband's outright hitting her. I'm going to kill her. Well, you have to submit to your husband. That's not what the Bible says. See, there's competing laws in the scripture as there's competing laws in the physical universe. Gravity exists. 9.8 meters per second squared is what we're pulled down to the earth at. However, when Bernoulli's principle takes over and wind passes over an airfoil, it causes lift, and the heaviest objects defy gravity. There's laws in the Bible that speak about protecting of the protection of life. As a matter of fact, Jesus spoke in the scripture about, he spoke to the religious leaders, and they were asking about divorce, and he said, God, or Moses gave you divorce, 
because of your hard hearts, how you treated your wives, to give the wife to get her out of that situation, that the law demanded that, that the husband, or he was breaking the law of Moses, was to put the certificate of divorce in her hand so she could finally be free from that guy, right? But Jesus said from the beginning it was not so. You were to love your wife. But because of your hard hearts, these things have taken place. Somebody is, is in trouble, they're in danger, get them help. Okay? That's not what the scripture is saying. Laws to protect life supersede what we're reading here. Now the other extreme is the wife who's a tyrant, a bully, a matriarch, who basically the rest of her family follows what she does because of fear of her tantrums. Now we all know people that fit into these, you're laughing, we all know people that fit into these categories. We had a woman in the church who basically would skip from church to church to church and when she didn't like what she heard or she was being held accountable, she snapped her fingers and everybody left. One of the sisters saw one of the kids out in the world and she said, hi, you remember, remember me, sweet kid? And she goes, he goes, no. And she goes, I'm from the church. And he goes, which church? Harsh parents, harsh spouses, they're very self-centered. They just think about themselves. They're the ones who will focus on the other spouse's responsibility instead of looking in the mirror and see how they can change. A functional marriage is when both partners are working together in synergy. Definitely needed in a ministry marriage. So verse 22, let's read it again. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So the wife's role is, and you know, it's sad that I have to say this, but I do. I'm going to beat this to death because of so much misconceptions. Wives, submit to your own husband. I've run into cultures that the wife submits to everybody, anybody who's a male. That's not what the scripture says. If you're in that culture and you're uh, causing your wife to do that, you are wrong. She's not to submit to her father, her father-in-law, or any other male in the family. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Next thing we need to understand is, number one, what's biblical submission? And what does unto the Lord mean? Because those two things are key. I'm going to take some of this from my wedding template. When I do weddings, I, I have sort of like a template. So I'm going to kind of go and explain it because for, you, for those in the church, you pretty much understand what I'm saying. You know, everybody's at different levels in understanding the scripture. When you go into the world and you do a wedding and you read this, whoo, some people bristle at it. So I say some people are taken aback at the word submit, not understanding what it means. The Greek word hupotasso is actually a military term, and it means to arrange troop divisions under a leader. So submission is authority under authority. In my house, there's things that I have authority over, and there's things that my wife has authority over, and she does a great job. I don't need to meddle in what she's doing. One of the things is <laughs> anything that comes to picking out colors, <laughs> you know. I always say, oh, that's not going to look good. She goes, Joe. You need to trust me. And you know what? I don't say anything anymore because she's always right, whether it's the tile or the wallpaper. Listen, she does a lot more than that. But it's just kind of funny because I've learned not to meddle in her areas of authority. She says it. I'm like, all right, how much do we have in the budget? You know, that's where I come in. <laughs> so 
When we look at the military or the police, a subordinate officer may be a better person than his or her supervisor, but for the sake of order in the organization, there needs to be submission. There's a reason why we don't have two presidents of the United States, especially imagine if they were from opposite parties. There'd be war, there'd be another civil war. Um, so in the civilian application, this word means a voluntary, not forced, a voluntary attitude of cooperating. It also means that the wife is not inferior. The word for even servant or slave, those words are used in the Bible, but never for the wife. And let's not forget Ephesians 5.21, mutual submission. There are times that my wife says, we need to talk. <laughs> and she gets that look in her eyes. And she's already, she's done the research, she's um, looked at the scripture, and she's going to make her case to me. And, you know, the Lord has, over the years, we almost can finish each other's thoughts. So she starts, and immediately I know where she's going. I'm like, you're right, you're right. You, you know, I agree with you. And she keeps going. <laughs> I'm like, flag on the field. I said, I agree with you. She goes, well, let me just finish my point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She wants to finish her point. But it's kind of funny because I already know she's right, I'm wrong. Maybe the Holy Spirit convicted me, and it's all good. It works. However, I do have executive privilege. Uh, at times, I do lay down, but, but I'm not as bad as the last three presidents, so I very rarely use it. You know, if you're a leader, you don't have to flex your leadership muscles. You just are a leader. You know, a, an insecure leader is the person who's always barking out that they're a leader. It's not necessary. It really isn't. I, when I, people, new people come into the church, I shake their hands. I'm like, I'm Pastor Joe. I don't say, did you know that I'm the senior pastor in this church? <laughs> I don't wear a name tag. Don't need to do that. When my pastors need me to make an executive decision, I do. But for, other than that, I'm just Joe. You know what I'm saying? I'm a regular guy. So, as unto the Lord, B, wife doesn't submit to anything unbiblical. Obviously, she's doing it as unto the Lord. Would the Lord want her to do something that was immoral or unbiblical? The answer is no. And you'll have to wait because I'm going to go into some of those scenarios. C, it's important for a husband to take a leadership role, especially spiritual leadership. In the best situation, the ideal situation, verse 23, the husband is submitting to Christ and emulating Christ, and the wife is submitting to the husband. And the wife is, feels loved, she feels safe, she feels protected knowing that her husband's Christ-like leadership has her in good hands. And that's kind of where I, I ended the template. Husbands, when you learn to lead your home in a Christ-like fashion, your wife is blessed beyond belief. I know many accomplished women who, I hear this a lot, I just wish my husband would take a leadership role. I wish that, you know, and they're accomplished. They're not you know, they, they can do whatever they put their mind to, but their desire is for their husband to lead the home. And, and they, they can kind of just take their trapezoid or trapez, trapezius muscles down a little bit because he's got it. He's got it under control. Next to the Lord Jesus Christ, my wife is my hugest, my biggest fan and supporter. Why? Because she trusts me. It's funny. If somebody's coming against me, I can't tell her all the details. <laughs> she gets twisted. She goes, I know what kind of man you are. I'm like, babe, babe, if you're going to act like this, I can't tell you anything anymore. All right, all right, I'll be good. I'll calm down. She trusts me. She's got my back. 
because I've, listen, I didn't have it the first few years of our marriage. And my wife is, had to live on her own because the divorce really caused a bad situation with the kids. And she learned to be hard. She learned to be tough. Uh, so it, it actually, that was another barrier that it took a while for her to completely trust me and to completely, you know, let me lead. In addition, a mature husband, a smart husband, realizes as the spiritual leader that he must walk in trepidation because he has to answer for his family before the Lord. When we go and we die and there's a problem in the, the Prosimo household and the Lord calls us up there and, you know, not, not like he would mistakenly go to my wife because I know she'd go, mm. <laughs> she'd be pointing over to me. He's going to ask me. He's going to hold me accountable for what's going on in the family. I must say that I've had self-avowed feminists. I'm a feminist. She comes to me after the service, and I'm thinking, okay, get ready, brace yourself, you know, watch for the left hook. That they actually have come up to me and thanked me and said they never understood submission before. They've heard it said, they've heard it in the media, but the way I explained it at the wedding, she said, I, I, I can dig that, I'm, I'm good with that. You see, I try not to discount anybody as anything. I always try to win people to Christ. So, you know, I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, why is she callous or why is she this way? Probably because a man somewhere down the line let her down. Maybe not, but it's a good chance that that did happen. Could have been a father, an uncle, a husband. She could have had some type of sexual molestation or abuse. The statistics, one in three women in the United States from birth to death will experience that once in their lifetime. Those are horrific statistics. So what I try to do is I try to understand people. I really do. Maybe it's age. Maybe it's maturity. Um, maybe it's growing in the Lord. I hope that's the one. But, you know, we ended up having a great conversation after the wedding, you know. And then, of course, I talked to her about the Lord Jesus. And, you know, and when they meet my wife they realize that she's, she's a happy woman. As a friend of mine often says, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> so let's go into some of these situations where I have counseled a woman, if a woman's come to me and I said, you don't have to in this situation. Again, any type of abuse to the wife or the kids, any type of situation where the husband is, is doing things that are pushing the children away from the Lord, away from God. That's a problem. That's a red flag. A wife doesn't have to go with that because she's the only light in the house now. And the kids are looking to her. Okay? I'll stand before the Lord on these. I don't have a problem with it. And I can make a scriptural case. I've seen wives who have come to me and they suspect things about their husband and they're very secretive and he just keeps putting papers in front of me and asking me to sign them, maybe for a business or whatever, and takes them away quickly. And I've said... I've said, don't sign that. I said, if you want me to read it, I will, and he could talk to me if he has a problem. I, I, don't, I don't suspect something good is going on. Um, obviously, in an adultery situation, again, I've experienced these, I mean, experienced these in counseling where the wife says, I, I, I have proof that he's, he's messing around, and I really don't want him bringing anything home to me. Okay, that's, that's actually grounds for divorce. Um, although although I know, I've known some spouses that have tried to work through it, but that's grounds for divorce if, if that's the case. Uh, and things like that. If the 
husband was submitting to Christ, we wouldn't have these issues because he has responsibility as a spiritual man. Then there's the wife with the unsaved husband, and the wife goes the extra mile with her behavior and her demeanor to win her unsaved husband and brings the husband into the kingdom. And that's happened in his church, by the way. It's an amazing thing to see. Just, a, a, you know, the wife is, she's a, a godly woman and her husband's not saved and she presents herself a demeanor a certain way and he just, he's just head over heels for her and he's like, well, who is this Jesus now? I'm, I'm starting to listen. And that's what we should be doing as Christians to anybody, by the way. But let me just read to you 1 Peter uh, 3, actually 1 through 5. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 5. It says, Likewise, wives, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they're not believers. And how can this happen? Listen, I would not, if somebody came to me, whether it's a woman or a man, and said, I want, I'm just so in love with him or her. You know, this, he's so good for me, she's so good for me. Would you marry us? If I interview them and he's not saved or she's not saved and the other one is, then I wouldn't perform the marriage because the Bible says not to be unequally yoked for this very reason, where that spouse will put out the fire of the person who is a believer. Would I accept them into the church if somebody else married them? Sure, I would. But I, I feel I have a strong sense of conscience. I wouldn't want to. Listen, again, I just told you about a situation where it worked and it was awesome, but sometimes it doesn't work, and it, it's a hurtful thing in the marriage, and people go through a lot of pain. So it's really a gamble. It says that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Understand that word can be translated respect has a, a large semantic range. Do not let your beauty be that of outward adorning of arranging of the hair or wearing of gold or of putting on fine apparel, but let it be in the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible ornament of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in sight of the Lord. Now, again, people read the scripture there's some Christian groups, you know, you can't even have a button on your shirt, you can't wear makeup, you can't do your hair. That's not what the Bible's saying. It just, ugh, you can tell it bothers me. <laughs> what it means is that, that if, that the inside person, the person of the inside is more important than the outside. In our society, what do we look at? The outside. We even judge people based on what they look at, look like before they even open their mouths. And it's terrible and it happens in the church. So, so this is what happens. Um, For in this manner in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. So there you have it again. Again, a window into our, our life. My wife is the creative genius. She even comes up with really great ideas for the church. Well, wouldn't it be great if we did this? Or wouldn't it be great? I'm like, yeah, that would be great. So what do I do when people say, that's a great idea? I'm like, yeah, my wife came up with it. Why should I take the credit for it? She's the creative genius. She has great ideas. She's very idealistic. She wants to run with her ideas. I'm the pragmatist. Sometimes I'm the wet blanket. <laughs> I go over the, the proposal a hundred times from a hundred different angles, and then I look at the budget to see if it can get, it can get done. But, and again, I've asked her. We both look at this as that her submission to me protects her. I help my wife be all that she can be. Submission equals protection. And I tell you what, another one of my functions as a husband is to protect my wife as much as possible from stressful situations. I want her to relax and be who she is. That's why I have broad shoulders. Guys, think about that. Even in women's ministry, 
Now, I have a rule, uh, and I'm, go ahead, I'm, gonna, I'm baiting everybody here. Here's my rule in women's ministry. I'm the head of women's ministry. Isn't that weird? And nobody makes a decision or has an idea or runs with it unless they check with me. Pastor Joe, you're a misogynist. You're a control freak. Not really, because what happens is, what happens is if something goes wrong, and my wife will do it. Who's the head of women's ministry? She'll go, Pastor Joe. <laughs> and they talk to me. We had a situation where and our last pastor left, and he left the church a mess. And the church was really hurting and in pain. So my wife had this idea that I want the women to get to know each other. So the next few women's events, she had it just for the women in our church. Now, over the last eight years, you, people from other churches have come to women's events. People have brought friends, relatives, and we don't even have a limit. But for those few years, my wife thought it was a great idea for the women to come together and bond. And I, a woman came in from another church, had a problem with that, and she gave me a hard time about it. But she gave me a hard time. So here's the cool thing. Not only do I protect my wife, I protect the other women in this church. If you think you're going to send somebody an email and you think they're going to be hostile towards you, but you have to send it, CC me in it. They have a problem, they can come to talk to me about it. So now I'm, I'm only protecting my wife, but I'm also protecting the, the ministry wives and my administrator as well. At the end of the day, let's boil it all down. Wives submitting to husbands is not a suggestion. In Genesis 3.16, after the fall, God said that the women's desire would be to control her husband, to rule over him. He says, but, but you need to be the leader. It's just the way it is. And I think that um, in, in aberrations, the, the wife tries to take the man's role, and the man tries to take the wife's role. You know, And it's, it doesn't work. So my advice, ladies, is before you marry, choose wisely and choose prayerfully. Try to get an outside source to look into your relationship, because, it, listen, I remember those days. I still, I adore my wife. I think she's so beautiful. She's, I love her smile. There's so many things I love about my wife. After 20 years, you know, it's funny, as a new, uh, as a new husband, I thought, how do people stay married so long? Do they run out of things to say? Those are the things I worried about. We, we talk too much, the two of us. We just back and forth, but where was I going? <laughs> ladies. It's better to be lonely and have the Lord, though, to comfort you than to be in a marriage with the wrong man. Wow. <laughs> okay, I guess you agree with that statement. I'm very blunt. I've had the discussion with young ladies. I've had the, if you were my daughter speech, I would dump them. If he really wants to win you, let him be discipled by somebody and learn how to be a better man. Because right now he's selfish. And it's only going to get worse when you get married and then the children and the financial problems. When you start adding all the stresses of marriage, if it's not so good now, it's going to be more not so good later. So, I would say this to young men too. Choose wisely and prayerfully. This isn't just for women. And I've heard this from women, that some women are piranhas. Okay, Late, parents, keep an eye on your sons. Keep talking to them, keep paying attention to them, keep pouring into them. Here's a question. What about traditional roles 
that seem to be reversed. And both spouses agree. So here's, let, let me start with one. A couple, and again, this has happened. A couple comes to me. You know, my wife is really good with numbers. She's an actuary or an accountant or she's, really, she's a bookkeeper. And she just does a, a mean job with the budget. And I'm kind of helter-skelter. Listen, if you both agree, why do you need my input? The Bible doesn't say anything about, you know... I think the problem is, and the shepherding movement does this, where they're so into your life. They want to know what kind of car you're driving. They want to know where, where you're moving. It's like they're in your business. I don't need to be in your business. If it's something important, come to me. If it's something that you agree upon that doesn't violate scripture, I would just say to the husband, as long as she's not getting really stressed out about this, if she is, you might need to jump in there and, and it's just not fair to her. Second thing is a, a couple agrees that that the wife has a degree, a really good degree, and she works. And, you know, some people have a real issue with this, but I'm not going to be dictating to people, listen, she's got this degree and she's bringing in good money. And I would just say to the guy, it, it, you know, if you have kids, is she there for that bonding time, the formative years with the kids? Um, is she working too much? Is she getting stressed out? You know, is she saying this, but she really needs your help and you're ignoring the signals? Again, husbands and wife, you know, you guys will figure this stuff out. Some wives are very driven, very accomplished, very intelligent, very determined, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? And it's, uh, quite frankly, husbands, if your wife is that, you have an amazing wife like that, tap into her gifts, you know? Um, leadership is, is also delegating authority. My wife has a lot of gifts. And I'll tell you what, I don't think I could have, especially in those, those first few years when I took over as the pastor, I couldn't have made it without her. I mean, she just was there for me every day, encouraging me, helping me. Um, she's an amazing woman. We're almost done. One of the biggest complaints I hear from godly women, and I can tell you this, I've heard this over and over again, I wish my husband would take a leadership role in the home. Especially when it comes to spiritual issues and putting God first in our home. I feel like I'm the one who's always, you know, I don't want to be a nag, I don't want to... But I wish that he would just step up to the plate. Might have been one of your wives in here, guys. So keep that in mind. Then I've had the situation again. It's so easy. See, a, fine, a synergistic marriage is fine-tuned. It's like when you, when you build an engine and you, you mic the piston rings and they have to be within a certain you know, hundredth of an inch to go up and down and you, they can't be too big and they can't be too small. And it's just fine-tuned, like a fine-tuned motor marriages are like that too and it's so easy to go in one direction or the other and then the marriage is off kilter you know it's like your car is off of the front end alignment i'm speaking to guys okay i'm doing guy talk right now but it's something to consider so i've had situations where women have said i want my husband to take a leadership role and then they have and they've gotten more involved in the church and they've served and all this stuff and then they it's weird to them they're kind of losing some of the control and i've seen people leave the church over this be careful what you ask for. Do you really want this? Well, good. Pray for the Lord to help you to follow through with it. Okay? If your husband is trying to put God first in a home, wives, don't stand in his way. Enjoy it. If he has a gift in ministry, support him. Enjoy it. But again, I would say this too. As a cautionary tale, on the other extreme, guys in ministry... And I don't do this at this church. I know the other churches do it. They, they run the guys 60, 70 more hours a week. And I think that's wrong. How can we be talking about family when we're running people into the ground? I've actually talked to some of my leaders and said, just go home and be with your wife. 
no, I don't need you for this. No, or I've said, listen, we, we have all these ideas. If we can't get enough help to do it, then we cancel it. I'm not going to have you people run your knuckles ragged to do something if there's not that help. Because then we're going outside of what the Spirit is saying, and we're doing it in our, our own strength. Then we become bitter in ministry, and I've seen that. And that's not pretty either. Okay? Now, wives, do me a solid. Make sure your husbands come back next Sunday. Okay? Because the, the rest is good. And this is the husband's responsibility. And I know, wives, I know if there's a, a snowstorm, you're going to make sure you got your sled, you know, and your reindeer, and you're, you're pulling them into the, into the front parking lot. I know it. So I'm looking forward to meeting everybody here next Sunday for the conclusion of the synergistic marriage. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m., and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.